Aloha and welcome to Fiki Tuesday Talks. Happy to be back. Uh, we got a very important topic for you this time, talking about pivoting the pandemic, how to make cars work, what to do amidst all this. Let's welcome our guests. Carl, you're not there, but the bar looks good. I, we'll get to you in a moment. Chelsea, what's up? Where are you bringing in from? Hey, hey, I'm here uh, coming to you live from Baltimore. Uh, Balmer. Yeah, Balmer. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yes, excited to have you. Uh, where are you at specifically? Uh, I am at home in the Hamden neighborhood. And uh, yeah, it's, and it's quiet down here. Bit out of city. Yeah, it's it's a little bit uh, further north, and we're along the uh, Jones Falls uh, here in the building where I am at. So it feels a little like you're in the country in the middle of the city, which That's is awesome. kind of silly. But yeah, cool. Yeah. Right on, Carl. Looking good, man. What's up? Very How's it good. going? What's happening? <laughs> I'm all right. You're at the bar. Tell us a little more. Well, this is uh, 67 Orange Street. Um, and, um, you know, this is actually my, uh, my first bar. Um, since then I've opened a few others, uh, Solomon and Cuff and the Anchor. Um, so yeah, here, it, this, this is home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got there pretty quick. How far do you live from there? Mm. Um, so 67 Orange Street's in Harlem and, um, the bar is on 113th. I live on 123rd. So, um, it's pretty easy. The anchor's in New Haven, though, so you know, got a little bit of a get there. Nah, it's a little bit of a trek. <laughs> I'm actually heading there right after this, so um, you know, life of an entrepreneur, man. Yes, it is. I'm heading nowhere ever, basically. <laughs> well, considering what's happening right now, that's probably the best thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's weird. I went from literally being in a different city every week to being in the same place for nine straight months, which is uh, an interesting change of pace. But hey, here we are. We're doing it. Yeah, well, we all have an excuse to put on an extra 15 pounds now. So <laughs> right. that's, that's all. That's, I'm like, all right, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steva. Hi. Um, well, I was just saying before we went on that I made some shortbread today. So, you know, mm. speaking of the extra 15 pounds. Yeah, I don't even really know what that is. Can you tell us what that is? What shortbread is? Yes. Um, it's like a it butter cookie. So I made a chocolate butterscotch. So it's three layers. So it's a butter cookie on the bottom and uh -huh. then butterscotch and then dark chocolate. Is it always this way? Because I mean, I know what shortbread is generally, but I've never seen it like that. Is that like your iteration? Um, well, I found this recipe on the New York Times because you know regular or shortbread i'm not gonna say it's boring but, but, but it's boring <laughs> it's a great base for other things got it understood i do like to look at the recipes and know that i'll never make any of them but they look really nice when I I listen, 80 percent of them are very workable i believe that not for me but i believe it for <laughs> <laughs> aaron what's happening what's going on how was everybody? Unexpected. Yeah, you know, these mean streets of Baltimore, I got to keep it moving, you know. Um, right. Actually, I'm actually probably a couple of blocks from Chelsea's neighborhood. So, oh, um, you, you know, we're kind of in the same uh, rural oasis of Don't Fall. <laughs> At some point, he'll just drive by my window like this. Yes, yes. Hi. Hello. How you doing? Some mixers. Oh, yes, yes. Here's yes. hoping. Yeah, we're preparing for anywhere between five to a foot of snow tomorrow. So I'm trying to get all of that errands and get some stuff done before we actually get real snow. Hopefully. Good luck with it. Good luck with it. Yeah. Don't miss that, to be honest with you. Um, awesome. We'll see you guys in a bit. Bye. Let's get to it over here. So really quick on the logistical side. Uh, Carl, you introduced yourself, owner of, uh, as mentioned, 67 Orange in Harlem, great cocktail bar, opened in the middle of the last economic crisis. So that's kind of where we're starting this rooting. Now 12 years old, 
uh, as well anchor in New Haven in Connecticut. Um, I'll let you get into the depths of your background, but I think what is cool in particular for me is we come from a shared background, uh, which is very rare for a spirits industry uh, for me to be talking to anybody who, who can speak that language. Uh, so that'll be pretty cool to kind of chat that. Of course, we're both kind of not doing it right now, but sort of doing it at the same time. <laughs> uh, so uh, as usual, chat box and questions. If you're on Crowdcast or Facebook, hit us up. Please do share the event. The tip jar, Venmo, Carl-Williams-3, presentation 30 to 40, cocktail session after, and then we'll bring Chelsea back on. Let's get us back here. And uh, we'll flip to yours now. Here we go. So, is, um, are we showing up good? We're showing up great. Looks perfect. All right. Um, so uh, thank you, uh, Peter, for inviting me to do this talk. Um, obviously, it is very relevant and important now. Um, you know, it's we are all kind of just figuring this out. This is a crazy, crazy time, and it almost seems to get more complicated by the day. Um, here in New York, uh, they just uh, ended indoor dining, and now we have a snowstorm on the way. And um, um, which means no outdoor <laughs> either. Yeah. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy um, time. Um, and we're all just trying to figure out how to survive. So um, I'm really hoping that what I can do today is kind of take everyone through some of the things that I've learned in um, in my journey uh, and and see if those uh, those things can work for others as they try to work through this this time. So a little bit about my journey. Um, like you said, like I have a, a, a very sort of different, you know, uh, experience or background than a lot of folks in the industry. Um, I went to Yale and majored in electrical engineering, and um, <laughs> so um, yeah. went to work for uh, Procter and Gamble in manufacturing for a couple years, and then realized that the um, uh, so I used my degree for about two years. People always ask, did you ever use your degree? Well, I, I used my degree for about for about two years, a little bit less. And then officially, officially used officially, it. Right. <laughs> and then <laughs> sort of discovered that the world of I mean, at Proctor really revolved around really revolves around the marketers and um, brands and brand building. And um, I wanted a piece of that action. And so uh, I was able to transfer with the company into the brand um, division and moved to Puerto Rico because I didn't want to go to Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> better choice. <laughs> so, better choice. Yeah, I mean, I was 20, like at the time, 22. Like the idea of going to Cincinnati was like, ah, you know, I'm a New Yorker. So nothing against anyone on, on from Cincinnati, but, you know, I, I thought Puerto Rico, I could be at a tropical island. I'm doing that. So, um, so I went to Puerto Rico, uh, which is great because you know um, became fluent in Spanish, learned to, um, to learn another language, another culture, was, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but I was there for two years working, um, doing U.S. Hispanic marketing for Procter on, um, on laundry detergent. And then I left Procter because after a while doing laundry detergent got kind of stale for me. Um, and I left, so I left Procter in Puerto Rico and moved to New York and went to work for Pepsi. Um, and then I spent the, uh, I spent another six years and change at Pepsi, um, you know, in roles of increasing responsibility, working on, started as a U.S. Hispanic, um, U.S. saying Latino, doing Latino marketing across brands. Um, and then I moved on to be the, the brand manager of Mountain Dew. Um, and then I moved into wow, innovation. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> then I moved into innovation for a while, and then um, um, and um, so that was kind of my my story there. So I mean, I I um, the thing that was always kind of a, a part of this for me was that I, you know I was always interested in in being an entrepreneur. Like the idea of being an entrepreneur was always at the heart of what I wanted to do. It's why it's why I chose. Um, you know, a electrical engineering because I wanted to create. Um, you know, it's why I moved into branding and marketing because I wanted to understand how business and and how creating brands really worked. And so the idea of being an entrepreneur was always like heavy for me. So 
while at, while in Puerto Rico, I saw that there weren't very many coffee. There weren't any coffee shops like a Starbucks style, like loungy, comfy. And so I um, was interested in trying to um, open one in Puerto Rico, but got the call from Pepsi and went to work there and, and kind of shelved that idea. But um, when I got to New York, um, I wanted to live in a community that was was kind of had some interest to it that was kind of intriguing. Um, so I came to Harlem and um, discovered that the same thing was happening here. The coffee shop vibe that I was looking for was I wasn't finding here. I was finding downtown and other places, but not here. Um, so I decided to open a, a coffee shop here in Harlem. And that was my first foray into being um, into being an entrepreneur. Um, so I opened Society Coffee. That was back in 2005. And um, and then, you know, still was kind of having this debate about do I leave Pepsi? Do I stay? You know, do I continue to be, a, you know, go on this marketing path towards becoming a head of marketing or CMO? Or do I leave and become a full time entrepreneur? Um, and so uh, at the time I was working on a project in innovation discovered the world of mixology because I was talking to mixologists for ideas on creating new products. Wow. And uh, met Steve Olson and his energy was just so infectious. And, and he took me to some of these great bars and I was blown away. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to make that leap. I think I'm going to open a bar and leave this corporate uh, life behind and, and, and see where this takes me. And so that's what I did. I opened 67 Orange Street. I left Procter. I left Pepsi. Sorry, in 2008, opened 67 Orange Street, and uh, here we are, 12 years later. Since then, I've opened two other bars: uh, the Anchor in New Haven and um, Solomon and Cuff, um, which was a rum bar that we actually closed last year. So, just a quick couple items on that. I'm sure we could talk all about that, but that's not really related to everything here. But uh, one is, I always I went in with the same mentality of going into consumer product marketing. Uh, I worked for Dan and then Red Bull. Right, uh, right. And uh, just the idea that, hey, maybe I want to own my own company. Maybe I want to be a general manager at a bigger company. And I kind of learned really fast. Exactly. That I, I want to be a general manager at a big company. And I had the same also challenge of like, when do you leave? Right. Because mm -hmm. you've got somebody that pays you. I left, pretty much didn't pay myself for six years, which is cool. Um, but it, but it is like a push pull. Like, do you need the nest of that? When's the right time? When do you just go for it? How do you figure that out? So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, for it almost at the same time. Honestly, I was a few years after where I did that, but it, it's pretty funny. The parallel. No, that's well. I mean, to, you know, to be honest, and you know, I mean, if even if we go forward, fast forward now, you know, four um, restaurants, bars later, um, you know, I like. Some will say, okay, you know, if you get, and you know this, if you get to a certain level that, that, that back then it was senior brand manager, which was a executive one position there, um, which is where I was, you, you, it's the golden handcuffs. Like you don't leave then. You go, you go be a CMO somewhere, you know, yeah. head of marketing somewhere. And, you know, so you, you do a couple more roles there um, and then you go. And, and so I, um, most of my peers now are, are in huge jobs. Um, and, um, you know, um, but I, 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 never been a day where I regretted leaving Pepsi. Um, you know, I wish I made the money now, <laughs> my peers make, um, but I love the freedom of it. I love being able to create and bring ideas to life. I love the, the spirit of the bar industry. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, I could do a whole talk on whether or not uh, on, you know, what direction I think people should go right now with this and, and how the industry, I, I do think the industry is actually becoming, um, unfortunately, it's becoming more of a platform because uh, it's getting harder and harder to make money in the bar business. Mm. Just pressure from labor movements and, and um, regulation and, and the like, it's just, it's just gotten harder. Um, but it is a great platform and I continue to be very bullish on and, and I love the industry, so. Right on, man. Um, so to tell you a little bit about my two the the the, the two bars, uh, 67 Orange Street has been open 12 years now. Um, the, the Anchor has been almost five years. You know, tons of press. If you Google either location, you'll see the stories are just there's there's so many great stories about about us. And um, 
we continue to be as as relevant as ever. I mean, so after all those years, you can start to lose some of your res- relevancy, and you know, people start to care a little bit less. But for us, that we're, luckily that just hasn't been our our story. We are uh, not luckily. I mean, I can tell you why, and that's some of the things we'll, we'll talk about here. Um, but you know, it is we are uh, our sales at at both places. You know, uh, prior to this, we were doing as well as ever. So that is like a um, you know, we're very very proud of, of, of the businesses themselves. Uh, so right now, you know, we are currently, we were offering indoor dining um, up until about, uh, until we closed it this week. Uh, we still are doing uh, indoor dining at the Anchor. Uh, you can do it in, in New Haven, but just not in New York. Um, but outdoor dining, we do takeout and delivery. Uh, we have a great takeout cocktail program you know, um, where our cocktails are in, in bottles and, you know, we can take them out. Um, uh, we have cocktail kits, which are, uh, you can buy a whole kit, which is a full bottle of alcohol, as well as everything you need to be able to make any of the cocktails that, that, um, you know, um, that to make the cocktail that comes for that kit. Um, we're also doing gift cards. Uh, we have masks that we're doing that are branded, um, and uh, we're doing a lot of virtual holiday parties where, you know, just like this, I'll talk to you about how to make um, how to make cocktails and, you know, do a fun and engaging conversation. Um, and while people are at home making the drinks and having a good time. Uh, so, you know, those are all our current offerings. So it, the key here is this is sort of where we pivoted to. Like we, we were 67 Orange was a speakeasy, like this sort of dark bar where, you know, you would you couldn't. I mean, it's dark curtains. You couldn't see inside, and but you'd walk through the curtains and have this whole experience. Um, and then the anchor, you know, historic bar, you know, very moody and all. But it was all about what happened inside. And um, now it's about what happens outside and what we, um, you know, the things that we we do in terms of offerings we do and takeout and delivery and and everything else. So that's sort of how we pivoted the programs, and it's been working for us. But there's a lot more to it, and I'll go into a lot of that. The results have been strong. Um, 67 Orange, we were at 80% of our pre-COVID levels. So to hit that kind of result in New York City, obviously, is is huge. Very few of our um, peers or the other bars around us um, are anywhere close to that. Um, and so, um, so that was a huge number. Uh, at, at Anchor, we were actually able to double our business. And, um, you know, uh, our business today is is about twice the size as it, of it, it's I mean we were having a sort of a down year in 2019 as it was so we're back to the levels we are we were at at our peak year of 2018 um, and um, uh, so we were back to those peak levels of 2018 which was you know again 200 percent of where we were kind of the, the year before so it's amazing um, what I'll say is uh, one congrats on that and two thank you really interesting for my side as somebody who has the spirit interacts with people like yourself at seeing the variety of approaches that people take. And, and of course it's, it's hard and it's weird and regulations are challenging and changing all the time. But, you know, I can see a marked difference between people who are trying to figure out how to deal with it and react to it as best they can. And people are just like waving the white flag and it's not a judgment. I get it. it might make sense, but you know, it's exciting for me to see, people doing what you're doing for the future of where we're going, right? Because we need people like you innovating, figuring out how to get through it, staying committed to good programs to help get the word out about great craft spirits and things like that that are out there too. So, you know, I think that's, it's awesome to see. And, and you know, I've seen a, a wide variety of approaches, if you will, to this. Yeah, topic. I mean, to, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's hustle, right? It's like yeah. you figure it out, <laughs> you figure out how to make it happen. Right. Um, and um, again, that's that's actually the, the goal of this is to sort of uh, provide some ideas on how to think about like the the, the, the thought process, because right. everyone's going to the right approach. There is no um, cookie cutter. This is the perfect approach for for everyone. Right. It's about right. it's more about um, figuring it out. And so what I'm going to provide for you in the next several slides are some ways to kind of figure it out how to make these decisions. Cool. All right, so um, there are six lessons. Um, collaborate, stay aware. I could have said stay woke. Um, <laughs> move fast, 
Guard your cash. Love that one. Yep. Feel that. <laughs> Feel that intensely. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, stick to what you do best and communicate continuously. So those are our six lessons. Collaborate, stay woke, move fast, guard your cash, stick to what you do best and communicate continuously. Uh, so let's, let's dig into that. And one story, um, you know, I, I can uh, tell you that that kind of really speaks to this. And I learned this lesson very early on. Um, in 2009, I mean, I opened 67 Orange in December of 2008. And um, everyone knows that 2007 to 2009 is what they call the Great Recession. It was the, the, the biggest economic decline in this country since the Great Depression. Um, and uh, obviously, we're matching or beating that now um, with what's happened due to COVID. But uh, that was the original Great Recession. And, and unlike this current um, uh, the, the, you know, economic downturn driven by, by COVID, there was in 2007, 2009, there was not sort of a universal recognition of a problem that needed to be solved for everyone. So banks got bailed out, you know, um, you know, uh, big business got support, but small business and entrepreneurs were kind of left out in the cold. Um, and, um, you know, I had just opened this business in Harlem because Harlem kind of prior to these years was just this emerging sort of burgeoning neighborhood with where I could just see the real potential. And a bunch of us saw it and we're like, hey, let's do this. Let's open businesses here. And then the market sort of this huge downturn happens. Development just falls off. There's nothing happening. Um, you know, uh, Society Coffee was under scaffolding for three years before we just were forced to close it. Um, and um, so it was just a really, really kind of challenging time um, to be in. And there wasn't any PPP or EIDL or um, Zoom, you know, holiday parties to do. Um, and so. Uh, a group of us got together and said, hey, you know what? Um, we are all very smart people with great backgrounds. Um, you know, some of us had, had made the jump from corporate like I had. Some of us had just been in the game for a long time doing whatever we did. And we got together around one of the tables at Society and we said, you know, if we get together, if we put our heads together, we can really figure out how to survive this. Um, and we realized that one of the big problems at the time was that as people were sort of coming around towards the end of this time and they were starting to go out again, they weren't coming to Harlem. They were going other places. Um, and it was because they didn't believe that Harlem was a great place to go. It, it wasn't the right place to go for that sort of culinary and cultural you know, experience, um, that shopping experience, whatever it may be. Um, and so that was our goal was to change that, was to make that, um, you know, a, um, and so it started out, um, Harlem Park to Park was founded, was farmed. Um, again, we were nine businesses at that point. Uh, today, it's over 250 businesses. Uh, 2018 was picked one of the top civic organizations in New York City, top 100 um, civic organizations in New York, in New York State, sorry. Um, and it, it, the, the support that organization has been able to provide for all of us, for, for its members, has been huge in being able to survive um you know since 2008. Um, so when i saw that this time i kind of started to think about what were some of the things that made that so important you know and um there were two for me and and it kind of leads to this sort of the, the next bullet points here was one of the things that we did was just sort of honest venting and brainstorming we sat around a table and we said to each other like what's really going on like not what you know the front we want to share not oh i'm doing great everything's all you know nah this, this this ish is hard, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and, let it out, man. It's all good. No censorship here. <laughs> all right, I was gonna check on that, but it was like, so, so we were like, yo, this stuff is really hard, and you know, we maybe we could figure out solutions together. Um, and and you know, but just that being able to hear honest problems honest like this is for you know answers that like honest sort of like this is where i'm at that really really made a difference in you know um in in like just being able to think just being able to come up with interesting solutions so um and and so that's one of the tools that i did a lot of sort of early on in in this pandemic uh, i reached out to some of the other members of harlem park to park who i had relationships with um, and others, and just had 
honest conversations. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the vice chair of the board of Holland Parks Park right now. And so some of the other business owners, we kind of like, what, what can we do? How can we help other members? Actually, the, the takeout cocktail program that we put together um, at 67 kind of came out of that initial brainstorm about how can we really make this work and some of the ideas and, and, and things like that. So um, I'm also on the board of New York Hospitality Alliance. And again, group of business owners who um, of hospitality business owners, bar, restaurant. And, and so being able to hear that regular exchange of ideas was was huge and, and being able to figure out the right moves to make, um, figuring out how to the best ways to go about getting financing, figuring out um, which loans to get when, figuring out how to balance, you know, um, your programs, like all of this, there were great conversations there. So again, the power of collaborating. I think what I'm saying that's really interesting is to me, is you spend a lot of time having these conversations that are either, oh yeah, we're doing great, which is clearly bullshit, or Mm -hmm. just kind of mopey as opposed to, all right, let's be real about it. What is going on? And then how are you tackling it? What are you doing? What are you thinking about? Like creating right. ideas to, to self-serve and, you know, figure out how to get through it. So I think that's really good. Also pretty funny that you're drinking a Coke after you just told us about what work. Yeah, Pepsi. no. <laughs> I hope there's no Pepsi on here. They'll call me a trader. <laughs> anyway, um, back to you. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, um, so, okay. So, you know, so the Hospitality Alliance. Um, and so these are sort of, you know, these are bigger groups of, of individuals. And so, uh, you know, I, I highly recommend everyone's listening and they're trying to figure out like, if there are organizations that are similar, if there's a great uh, chamber of commerce in your area, um, you know, join it, get involved, listen to what's going on, check out the webinars. Um, um, but also, you know, find opportunities to meet with other folks that you have relationships with and collaborate on what you do next. And so these next three are really great examples of that. Um, um, Death & Co is opened up uh, uh, just about half a year before us, early, maybe a year before us. Um, so again, one of the, the we're, we're in, a, in a very select small group of the oldest bars in New York, oldest cocktail bars in New York City. And um, Dave Kaplan from there gave me a call and he was like, hey Carl, you know, I, I saw a story you know, um, uh, about you in 67, it just sort of sparked my interest and just like, we should just, why don't we collaborate on doing something together? Put both of our names together, um, you know, put the story out of, out about two of oldest of, of New York City's oldest and best bars collaborate and let's see what happens. And it was, it was huge. I mean, I, um, you know, we did a bar swap, uh, couple of us went down to to Death & Co for a couple of days. A couple of their bartenders came up here for a couple of days. And um, we put together, um, we did feature drinks from the other person's bar. So it was a bar menu from Death & Co was offered at 67 for two days. And a bar menu from 67 was offered at Death & Co for a few days. Um, and, um, and then we did a collaborative cocktail that we bottled and we d- donated the proceeds of selling that cocktail to Harlem Park to Park. So the charitable aspect of this as well. Um, and it was it was huge for us. Press, yeah. you know, m- multiple stories, um, straight business. Uh, you know, we had our biggest day, you know, uh, the, the, the program was was um, uh, we had our biggest day of the of the year, uh, one night of the program, um, you know, and that's kind of even going back pre COVID, you know, this was our biggest day of the year. Um, was one of those nights, and um, and then they had their biggest day, you know, um, you know, since the start of COVID on one of those nights as well. So it was it was just a it was a really great thing for us, um, great exposure, you know, and again, spirit of collaborating. The second one is yeah, cool. just real quick. Uh, Dave is great, and I think is a good example. Of what you're saying is like finding people who are creative, disciplined about their thinking, whatever, who you can go to, you know, mm-hmm. like. I, I talk to Dave about stuff sometimes, even though we're not exactly doing the same thing. We actually had Alex on, uh, but those guys are awesome. They're really creative thinkers. They're really disciplined. And I think that's a good example of who's in your network that's like that, that you can ping pong ideas off of, that you can find some you know, creative collaboration, mentorship, whatever. 
Yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. I mean, we it was it's very easy to work, you know, um, you know, David's wife, Jenna, um, was in PR, um, I mean, is in PR um, and um, advertising. And so, you know, it like for me, the great thing in talking with both of them and, and making this all happen was just how, you know, it was like talk. I mean, it was what I was used to talk is language that we both understood very well. It was a way of working together. There was, like you said, very organized thinking. Um, and so that that all went to be able to create a very powerful program that had a, had a strong impact. Uh, this next one here, I'm particularly proud of is the Harlem Biscuit Company. It should be biscuit, not biscuity, but you know, I was feeling biscuity at the moment, I guess. <laughs> um, the Harlem Biscuit Company is, um, uh, it's a local, they're a local business that was kind of, um, you know, um, just sort of uh, shacking up where they could, <laughs> you know, so, you know, they would do a pop-up at this location, you know, or that location with other businesses. And um, I got to talking to the owner and I said, um, you know, why don't we do one? Like, we're not open during the day. We're a bar, right? You know, um, like we're sleeping when he's selling biscuits. So <laughs> I, mean, I was like, you know, what if you came in and we worked out some sort of arrangement and you were here during the day? Um, and then by the time we're open, you know, like you're closing down, you know, and, and he was like, awesome. I love it. And so we put this thing together and we have a revenue share program that, that, that is part of it. And now all of a sudden our business is operating almost 24 hours a day. So yeah, the city's making us close at, tw at 10, but I added those hours back with a, you know, without any cost, um, by bringing in this program in during the day. Um, the biscuits are amazing. They are, um, um, they're very well sought after, um, you know, and it's been a, it's been a huge success and, and great for both, both of us. Um, it's a joint venture, you know, so one of the things, you know, people will ask is, does this, you know, are we subletting out our space or anything? No, we're not. Um, you know, um, and that's important because a lot of folks have subletting clauses in their leases. Um, so if you're doing anything like this, it's important that it is actually a joint venture and you're actually working together and, and, and sharing resources to make these things happen. That's a creative solve, yeah. Um, and then the, the, the last program here, um, um, so uh, one a, a friend of mine, um, who some people will probably know, Marcus Samuelson, I'm not name dropping, okay? I know it's okay. <laughs> we, we actually are friends. We lived across the street from each other for a while. Um, yeah. You know, he's been in my, uh, we're, we're friends, okay? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So Marcus is, um, and I were talking, and he was doing a program, which at the time didn't make sense for us, but it inspired what I'm about to, to, to talk about, which is, um, so the World Central Kitchen, he collaborated with the World Central Kitchen to do meals for, um, you know, um, for first um, uh, first responders and, uh, and, and homeless um, and, and folks in need. And so the idea was the World Central Kitchen would pay for these meals and the restaurants could keep staff um, in and create these meals and, and get them out there. So this was um, something that, you know, he helped, um, you, you know, sort of, I mean, he, we weren't able to do that program at the time because we just, you know, we were so focused on our sort of what the bar was, but the idea stuck with me. And now with the Harlem Biscuit Company in here, um, we have a kitchen staff in here during the day. And so I got a call from Madison Square Garden about feeding the homeless and same thing, great program. We're able to put some meals together and um, get these meals out to these homeless shelters. Um, you know, fifteen dollars a meal over two hundred meals—that's a nice little check, right? So, again, all this from collaborating, you know, putting your heads together, you know, working with people who have great minds and who are also trying to solve this to come up with joint solutions. Cool. Um, so stay woke. <laughs> <laughs> If you are watching this right now, then you're already, then that's great. You're already, you, you already get that idea. And it's the idea that there is tons of information out there. So, I mean, you know, um, my kind of, my story, I actually got COVID very early on. Um, I got it um, at the end of March. And so I had just rolled out my takeout cocktail program 
I was the only person on the staff at that point. Um, you know, so I was um, making, we had to do cocktails with food. So I was making soup, putting it in, packaging it up, sending it out with the cocktails, but it was just me. And then I got COVID. And so obviously the program was shut down. My GM had gotten COVID right before that. So we were both kind of down. Um, but what I used that time for when I was awake, <laughs> not, like, <laughs> not like, you know, and because you know, I was breathing sometimes. And uh, what I used that time for was really um, to like learn. I watched every webinar that I could. I read every publication that was that I could. Um, um, I would jump in on Zoom meetings, attend seminars, um, and all of those things kind of gave me the toolkit and helped me think about it. So that when I came out from my my two weeks, um, I was I was really sick for about ten days, and the last four sort of better and kind of getting myself together. But when I got back here, um, you know, I was really able to bring all that information, and I had a head start on kind of doing the right things or the things that needed to be done. Um, so my pivots, I was thinking about while I was sitting there, um, <laughs> laying there <laughs> under my with my with my uh, blanket pulled up to my my chin. Um, so. <laughs> Just stay woke. Stay stay attached to what's there. The longer this is drawing on, I mean, at the beginning, I feel like there was a ton of like everybody was talking and, right. and the like. But now there's sort of a Zoom meeting fatigue, and right. a lot of people are just over the whole thing and and all that. And it's really easy right now to just be like, you know what? Fuck it. I I'm done. I don't need to pay attention. I got it. You know, or I'm just over it. Or like you said, I'm just sort of I don't care anymore. Or I'm waving the white flag, even though I haven't officially done it yet. Um, and, um, what I'm telling you is stay woke, stay aware, know what's going on and you will be, you will see these opportunities. Don't kind of fall, you know, victim to that mentality. Um, yeah, it's a, a really good point because you, you know, even with us on this, like engagement, when we started, this was a different place than it is now. And I get it. Right. But I think it's a good reminder to anybody who's running a business that, even though it feels like you're running uphill constantly and maybe this activity or that activity is not going to be impact is keeps you sharp, keeps you relevant, keeps conversations going, you know, uh, and present. And I think that's a huge part of it, you know, the way we think about it from our side as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then that last bullet there about be present and be visible, that's kind of the other side of it. You know, one part is getting the information and staying aware of what's going on. The other is inserting yourself um, into some of that. So, you know, having having an opinion, having a point of view, um, and being willing to express those things. Um, you know, being you know offering to get involved or do something like like what I'm doing here. What that does is it also opens up opportunity. Um, and so, you know, it, it's one of those things that, um, and, and it makes people more willing to talk with you and share with you. Um, even challenge you, you know, which is great. Like, um, you know, I mean, someone may see this and say, Hey, well, what about this? And that thought could spark something else for me. Um, and another way of thinking about things. Um, so being present and being visible is a key part of, of staying woke. Um, this next one is, is, is important. You know, the idea of move fast, but I say not too fast. So, um, the best example of that is, you know, um, I mean, our best way to think about that is, is in a time like this, things are constantly changing. There's always new information, new regulations, you know, regulations that change from what they were a couple days ago. And if you move too fast, you're going to be, um, you're going to like go too far and do a bunch of things. And then those things don't, you basically wasted your money and your time because the rules will change or the circumstances will change. And then what do you do, right? Um, uh, a great example of that is right now, indoor dining is shut down. Um, so when we were allowed to go out and build outdoor sh um, sort of structures, a lot of people built literally indoor structures outside. You know, they were like, it just make, it makes more sense for me to close the structure fully and function under indoor dining rules than it would be to, um, to have an outdoor space that is has two sides open, which allows it to go on outdoor dining. 
But what happens? They shut down indoor dining, and now your entire space is useless. You got to go and redo it, you know, take walls down, um, and you know, I mean, spend more money and time and, and lose more business. Um, right. So it, it's about kind of taking in, the, but you also didn't want to move so slow. Um, there was one point right now. I mean, we're stop, we're we're installing a heater in our outdoor space right now, and one of the things that um, but we've had the heater for a while. And the reason is because heaters were selling out. So we knew we had to jump on that and get that heater right away, even if we weren't going to install it right away. Yeah. Good. Um, so the secret here is move fast, but not too fast. And then when you do do something that just doesn't work, fail faster. None of us have time right now um, or have extra resources to chase lines of business that aren't going to work for us. Um, so if something's not working for you, move on. Pivot and move on. It's just it's it, it's too critical right now that um, that we make the right decisions, and um, you know because losses right now impact our business in a greater way. Yep. Guard your cash. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> cash is king. Managing cash flow is crucial. It's so easy. Um, you know, um, there, there are lots of people who got PPP and EIDL loans. And those loans are gone within a month or two. Um, and, you know, I hear all the rationale. Well, I don't I don't want the extra debt. So there's a forgiveness program. So I'm going to make sure I spend it all right away. Uh, you know, this is something that may sound a little crazy, but it's actually better to have cash than forgiveness. Right now, I think most people would prefer to have that PPP money in their hands um, than interest. I'm sorry? Especially at 1% interest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the point. All the money that you're getting here, the interest rates are so low, you're never going to get money that cheaply again. So if you burn it all and it's gone and then the pandemic is, is, is raging on like it's doing, you have nothing to work with. And every bit of money out there is very expensive. Yeah. Um, and so um, this is very inexpensive money. Um, having money on you um, is, is the best place to be. Reduce inventory and menu size. We used to have a menu of 50 cocktails. Um, you know, our our storeroom was just like, you know, um, looked like you were asked, walking into Aster Wine and Spirits, right? It was like, you know, it was beautiful. I mean, we were a cocktail bar. We took pride in having just about everything that every spirit that man has ever made. Um, and, you know, that's not the thing to do right now. Because basically what that is is cash sitting sitting on a, on a shelf. Um, and so you want to, like, avoid that as much as possible. We reduced our menu. Our, our cocktail menu right now is around uh, 20 cocktails, about less than half the size. Um, you know, so we have to store less inventory. We can have more of the items that we're using, um, you know, so we get better pricing on those. Um, and so this, this becomes a really a great way to sort of, of reduce some of your, your, um, your holding costs and give you more cash in hand. Um, and obviously it goes without saying you're managing every cost, avoid spending extra. This is not the time, you know, um, to, to repaint, repaint your kitchen. Um, you know, it's just, you know what I'm saying? Like focus on, you know, what's visible and, um, and what you need, you know, um, in the moment. So, um, um, stick to what you do best. Uh, this was a little bit, you know, uh, sort of, you know, it can be sort of tricky to think about. It's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm pivoting, right? So let me go and try to figure out things and do different things and, and all that. But it's stick to what you do best. Like right now, it becomes more important than ever to sort of think about um, and to focus on, you know, your strengths. And again, this sort of ties to the idea of, of you know, um, that smaller um, window of inventory more than ever. Um, you know, when you think about that, it's also like there are people are coming into our restaurants and bars for things that they know. And because we have these outdoor spaces that are, are um, that are creating greater visibility for our bars, you're going to have a lot of new people walking into your space to check it out. Um, people who may not know that, you know, sort of more esoteric spirit. And so having spirits that people know that they can identify with, 
um, you know, is, is sort of an example here of sort of doing what's simple, sticking to what you know, doing, doing what you do best. Um, you know, being creative here, like create around what you know. Again, this is not like I could have said, I'm going to start my own biscuit company and, you know, and start selling my own biscuits and, you know, Google a recipe on how to make, you know, great buttermilk biscuits. Um, but that would have been inefficient and it would have um, increased my costs. And it's not what I know how to do. Uh, and so what I did instead is I brought folks in who knew how to do that kind of work and, you know, and um, and it made that brought in the creativity, but did it in an efficient way, allowing me to do what I do best and them to do what they do best. I should have cropped that one out. Use esoteric spirits that you love and people don't know is actually the right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was barely esoteric spirit anymore. There you go. There you go. All right. <laughs> um, and this last one um, is um, is is essential um, and sort of rounds this all out. Is whatever you do. It's the whole adage of a tree falls in the woods, you know, make sure that you are continuously communicating, you know, Governor Cuomo won an Emmy for his, his daily news briefings. Right. But the reason was because it was cathartic for all of us. It was amazing to hear him every day come in and do these, these talks and these, and, you know, provide all this information when that was all we wanted to really know what was going on how it was working and when it was going to happen. Um, so it was sort of this continuous flow of, of communication that also resulted in the great results that New York had. Um, and so, um, you know, this is important for us too. You know, we just, our email newsletter was going out sporadically, you know, now yeah. it's, a, it's a weekly thing. It's always out there. I didn't there. even have one, man. I couldn't even, I was like, wow, this is, I can't believe we're not even doing a newsletter. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you, know you got to be doing this stuff. But people are home. People are reading. People have more time right now to do certain things. So, so yeah. I mean, it it is literally one of those times where, um, you know, the more that I mean, people that like we 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 look at our stats and we're doing a 26 percent open rate. You know, and our list has grown and grown and grown. We capture names continuously from everyone who walks in here. We capture their their information when they make a purchase, and you know, so. We're able to grow. And obviously, they, they they opt in ultimately, but we've been able to grow our email list, um, um, you know, tremendously during the pandemic, and it gets a great response. Uh, so we use the, the the newsletter for depth and to really get into the information, and we use social media for content and impact. So fun, interesting stuff, you know, um, cocktail stories like watching us make drinks, how they're made, um, you know, like hero shots, anything like that, like that's for social media, um, you know, um, uh, and that's sort of a little bit different than what we do in the newsletter. Um, and then we actually took another step, our window, you know, like I said, we were a speakeasy. The last thing we wanted you to know what was going on in here, unless you knew, that was part of the allure. Um, but today we have, I'm looking at our window, we have a couple beautiful shots of cocktails actually on our window. Um, and you would be like, okay, wow, is that are you, are you a Chinese store? <laughs> uh, no, what we've done is we are really taking the idea of create of communication um, to a next level because it's so important right now. And like I said, so many new people are discovering us because of this, these outdoor structures and walking in here for the first time and trying to figure out what we're about. And I don't want to lose them um, because I know the day they taste one of our drinks, they'll be coming here forever. Um, and so. Um, that, that's what that, that last point is about. Right on. It's great. So that's the presentation. I mean, I hope that um, those listening and, and um, you, you know, you've all got some really good thoughts, and ideas on how to pivot your program and how to think about, you know, managing through this time and um, making the right choices, you know, right now to survive. Um, um, but I think it's also a great time to have a drink. <laughs> yeah, perfect timing. Let's do it. All right, so this this cocktail right here, um, I call a night in Brazil, um, and um, it is uh, it's a take on a New York sour. So again, I'm I'm a New Yorker, you know, I got to big up New York. So this is also um, great drink. It's it's a take on a New York sour. New York sour is basically a whiskey sour with a float of wine on top, um, and um, you know, um, generally made with um, bourbon. 
But as with a lot of sort of classic cocktails, any classic cocktail is ultimately a formula that you can use um, to build off of, rip off of here. And for me, one of the things I love about um, cachaça is just the richness of the flavor and all the different herbaceous qualities that are there. Um, you're talking about basically an agricole um, spirit or, or you know, um, coming straight from sugarcane. And so you get all those flavors. And so I just started riffing off of flavor here and um, putting a bunch of stuff here. You know, it's almost <laughs> my joke is it's a salad, but, you know, it, it, it's it's only in, in, in kind of the idea that a lot of things are coming together here um, when a salad is. I mean, it's not that direction, but that's that's what's happening here. So um, I'll go ahead and get started making this drink. Um, we'll start. It's uh, three quarters of fresh squeezed lemon. Um, and then we'll go with a, we'll go, so, you know, kind of working across, we make this rosemary syrup. Um, so we'll do a little quarter ounce of the rosemary. Quarter ounce of Benedictine. Uh, a little splash of amaretto. And this great DeKuyper triple sec. We'll do a half ounce of that. So, you know, the other thing in, in, in cocktails, everyone knows, it's about balance. And, you know, um, here you're thinking, okay, it's only three quarters of lemon. How do we sort of get that balance of sour and sweet here, which is also which is why we're using the wine. Um, and so I'm using a, a, a drier cab that's a little bit sort of murky and kind of becomes a, a balancing agent here, a bitter, if, if you will, to kind of to, to, to make this from being um, – from, from being too sweet. Um, all right, so last but not least, we'll go with Avoir. Good choice. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, thank you for sending that Amberana. I, I yeah. fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was going to use the Amberana in making this, but I was like, you know, I, I, then I'd be showing off to everyone. <laughs> uh, but, oh man, that's that's some good juice there, man. Thank you, brother. <laughs> All right, so let's throw some ice in here. Now, um, got a little, got a little nice cube of ice going here for us too. Um, you know, it's funny. Almost every time. Everybody's making drinks sitting down at like a desk. It's really nice to see somebody at a bar. Be at a bar? Yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing you in. I mean, this is the best I could do for you right now. Yeah. You actually be here in 67. At right. least you get to experience 67 a little bit right Feels now. Feels good. Feels good. All right. Mm, that smells absolutely amazing. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> All right. And we'll finish this off. And so the only thing I don't know is if anyone's actually drinking with me right now. Um, I can't see you all. but Yeah, it's hard to know. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, let's throw um, the rest. That looks amazing. I love that idea. The cab, by the way, of thinking about it as the bitter. I feel like usually when you get a float of wine, it it is not a flavor profile like that. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Well, thank you. And um, if anyone wants to talk more, or you know, uh, you can always reach out to me. Um, this is this is my information here. Uh, IG at Mr. Carl Franz. My email is Carl Franz at 67 Orange Street. You can also check, sorry, Carl at 67 Orange Street. You can also check out either of the uh, company sites um, at any time. And, you know, um, order takeout, order delivery, come visit us, you know, grab a cocktail kit for Christmas, a gift card for Christmas, uh, you know, a, a, uh, a, a branded mask. Um, 
and um, we hope to see you soon. Yeah, you know, that's a good idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you about that for my sister who's in Brooklyn right now. Get her oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Dude, thank you so much. That was really awesome. Uh, super interesting, really on point for the time. I wish I had one of those in front of me right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, I know you got to get running, get get to the other get to the other joint, but uh, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. It's impressive. I know it's hard. I can relate, and uh, but it's exciting to see people like yourself, you know, keeping creative, bearing through it, and uh, look forward to better times. Mm. Cheers. <laughs> there we go. What's it? What's in the? What's in the water bottle though? Just water. It's really boring. I used to drink on all these, and then I realized that, you know, I'm just drinking too much, and it like you just you're sitting here like nervous energy drinking. So I was like, all right, it's the middle of the day for me on the West Coast. This isn't really yeah. functional to go handle my other meetings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I you. Slowed it down. I slowed it down. Well, this, this is the only one I I mean, I got a long drive ahead of me, so I'm going to finish Hey, what was I doing? Yeah, looks amazing. Though. All right, man. Thank you so much. Good Absolutely. luck with it. Look forward to seeing you in the new year. Let's bring these guys back. Hey, guys. All right. Chelsea, you ready for five questions? Five questions. Here we go. All right. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. All right, weirdest thing you saw at Wildwood. Oh, what's up? We got a, we got a little visitor? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you, weirdest thing you saw at Wildwood. What isn't weird in Wildwood? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I haven't had that answer. I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on one thing. Yeah. A fair point. Uh, all right, I'm getting some residual here. I don't know who that is. Probably you. Yep, there it is. Aaron, always on the move. All right, favorite meal that you ate in Wildwood that my dad did not make? Oh, that your dad did not make? Yeah, everybody says I had to change the question because it's just too repetitive. Okay. No, I, mean, I was about to say I'm. I'm like Maryland born and raised. So like a good seafood boil, uh, yeah. clam bake situation. I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. But, but your dad made that. You know what I mean? I can't have everybody saying the same answer. It's no longer interesting. Yeah. Brooklyn, Jamaica be crazy. Always choice. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Right? That's a good yeah. one. Um, Primo hoagies. Delicious. Yeah. I think um, – there was, I'm totally blanking because it was a couple of years ago that I was with y'all in Wildwood. But when we, we had, you know, we got rained out and we went to do mini golf, right? Oh yeah. And there was something on the boardwalk that just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, all the grease on the boardwalk. Yeah. I was going to say everything fried. <laughs> everything fried on the boardwalk. Everything yes. fried. Anything you can dream of. <laughs> Hot dogs, amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Right on. All right. Listen, I'm like 90% boardwalk food. So especially during Tiki by the Sea, like <laughs> I have to like go buy tickets and I have to go to the boardwalk and I just, I'm like, Pete, I got to go to the boardwalk. And he's like, Again? And I'm like, I'll be right back. I got to go to the boardwalk. Or Steva. I don't know. Somewhere. I, at one point, actually, I had heroes for, it was, uh, I think I had 11 in five days. So I literally <laughs> had it for lunch and dinner. And I added, there was an extra added. And it was amazing. Oh, man. Amazing. Well, that sounds great. Now I want a hero marathon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to eat a lot. I haven't had lunch yet. All right. Um, show us your favorite Steva face. <laughs> and, and it's and what it is is it's saying I'm not gonna correct you right now, but also bless your heart. <laughs> like, that's that's what the face translates to. Oh, sure. Yeah, that was good. That was well done. All right. 
Uh, favorite Tiki by the Sea memory? Um, Bob Wagner and I both having captain's hats and then crossing mm -hmm. arms and giving each other a layback. Nice. nice. It was pretty dope. He's a gem. I know. We love Bob Wagner. <laughs> the captain's hat. The robe. Especially uh, the trip home. Oh, yeah? Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Yes. The, <laughs> the, the like, longest drive that ever happened. It was so, so long and so weird. But it was great. And, and slightly dangerous. Slightly dangerous. And it's yeah. very hours. much so, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, we left, I got to say, Chelsea was saving lives that day. That's all I got to <laughs> Literally, literally saving lives. Literally oh, saving lives. I wasn't there. <laughs> uh, we, what's going on in Baltimore? What's up with you? Um, what's up with me? Let's see. I am. Uh, I'm working with a few clients right now. Um, I've gone to full time consulting because I just thought that that would be the best way for me to be of use in this yeah. time, um, just to help as many people out as possible in small ways. Um, so that's what I've been doing. I've got uh, big things up my sleeve that I can't talk about right now, but they're big. Wow, and big All right. And I feel I feel uh, endlessly fortunate at the end of 2020 to have something really exciting to look forward to in 2021. Love it. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Very good. Steva, what do you got? Um. Well, I mean, you know. My love for Chelsea is never ending. a hard hitting question. Uh, my hard hitting question: Chelsea is bear around? That's I mean, he was just like munching and crunching, being as annoying as he could, <laughs> and now he's run away. So I picked him up when uh, Carl was on, and I was like in backstage. I just like picked him up and cradled him like a baby, and I was like, I hope somebody sees wow. somebody in this call, but. That's cute. Yeah. Steven, did you ever think about getting into investigative journalism with these really uh, tough, tough questions? Listen. You throw out here. Listen. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it. I'm trying to keep it 100 above board around here. Oh, I, wow. I could. Boring. 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 No, I resonate with that. There's always got to be one that's trying to keep things above board. You know. <laughs> yes, of course. Listen. Less important digitally than in person. But they, they play too much. I'm the one that's got to keep everybody in line around here. <laughs> All right. Well, super stoked for you. Glad you got something to look forward to. Um, it's always good to see your face. Yeah. Good, good to see you all, too. Yep. I'm going to tell you guys about what we got coming up. If I can, or maybe it's not going to do it. What's happening here? Um, oh. Well, Pete's doing that. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, there we are. I'm with it. All right. Uh, in two weeks, we're taking next week off. December 29th, we have Tiki by the Sea Holiday Edition with the Tiki alumni fam. We're going to be making fun drinks, talking about next year, plans, what we learned, whatever, uh, and all that. And then, Steve, back to you. You had something you wanted to say? No, I was just going to talk about how great DeKuyper is and have Chelsea tell us what her favorite flavor is. Oh, there you go. Let's hear it. Sucker for peach. Right? Yeah. It's so good. It's gotten a yeah. lot of love. I have a feeling there's gonna be a lot of peppermint and a lot of butter. Oh yeah, going on for the holiday. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, spoiler alert: because of Ezra's hot tiki last week, oh. maybe I make a hot buttered rum with banana. Ooh. Hey now. No, no big deal. Hey now. I I'm thinking about a peppermint mai tai. Oh, you know, nice. You still got that cranberry kicking around? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. I actually got it on the stove right now. <laughs> Chelsea, I was going to say, maybe you just, like, hang a sign in your window for whenever Aaron's driving by of, like, the cane flavors that you want to, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Where it just like, says cranberry fizz. You need to send you a cranberry fizz neon. I'll do it. Look, look, wow. Chelsea has access to it. It's 
carried a, a number of stores in the bottom of her apartment oh, building. There it is. Like she, she doesn't even have to like leave the building. I'm also just like spoiled rotten because I go downstairs and all of my all the people that run the stalls are also friends and have been friends before they opened these stalls. Right. And I just like show up and they're like, did you do you want to try the new cane flavor? And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> So it's so funny. It's so mm -hmm. funny. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then big right. head behind me. You, you see him? See him? He's, he's... Hey, how's it going? Hi. Hi. I'm sitting here breathing my COVID-less germs on Aaron. Well, there yeah. You go. there What's you go. going on? <laughs> it's good to see your beautiful faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to say hi. Glad you guys are here. Sure. I don't know how you guys are actually in that. I mean, what's going on in there that you actually get it all up in there? Um, <laughs> you you wash it, it curls up, and then it fits now. Like wow. it, I've, I've learned wow. how to manipulate the curls now. Yeah, this, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. The 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 COVID the COVID styles. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But I think I look officially like Bane now with the oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you really do. <laughs> yeah, between your beard right, and me bringing back Carl, my man. lesbian mullet, we're, we're like two pieces. There you go. There you go. Hey, perfect timing. I didn't know you'd still be around. Let's say goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Thanks. Bye. 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 Great Bye. Having everybody. Good luck. Happy holidays. Let's do it.